Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about things falling apart. Um, And today it's kind of going to be a conversation about uh, is shit falling apart? Are we all about to be devoured by a rogue AI? Is your job about to be devoured by a rogue AI? These are the questions that we're going to, you know, talk around and about and stuff today. Uh, and with us today is Noah John Syracuse, a math professor at Bentley University. Noah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And I'm reaching out, or we're talking right now because there's an article that was put up in uh, the New York Times on March 24th, 2023, titled, You Can Have the Blue Pill or the Red Pill and We're Out of Blue Pills, uh, which is a fun title uh, by Yuval Harari, um, Tristan Harris, and Azza Raskin. And it's an article that is kind of about the pitfalls and dangers of AI research, of which there definitely are some. Um, I enjoyed your thread on the matter. I thought it was a lucid breakdown of the things the article gets right and the areas in which I think they're a bit fear-mongery. So yeah, I think that's probably a good place to start, Um, unless you wanted to start by just kind of generally talking about where you kind of are on AI and, um, and what you kind of think you know, the technology is, is, uh, is advancing towards right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I can probably answer both those questions in the same, because part of why I enjoyed writing that thread, dissecting the article is I just had the strangest feeling reading it that I agreed with it so much in principle and yet somehow objected it to so much in detail. Yeah. And it, thinking about that article helped me think about my own feelings on AI, which, you know, every day of the week is slightly different because so much news happens. 
Yeah. I found myself overall deeply frustrated that I agree with the central conclusion, which is that maybe we shouldn't be just like plowing headlong into this and should be more careful when we 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 screw around with technology like this, which I agree with. And I feel like should have been the thing we did with like, I don't know, Facebook, Twitter, like all of these things, like the, the it's less my obsession is less with like the specific dangers of AI and more with well, we keep letting these guys who are fundamentally like gamblers with venture capital money um, really put our society through the ringer without ever asking, should we like do any research on maybe how social media affects children and like how all of these different things. Um, and and it's, it's right that like, yeah, we should be concerned about what these people are going to do with AI, but also why, why now? Why just now? <laughs> yeah. And, and that raises a really good point, which is what's different now versus what we've been experiencing with social media. And just to give mm -hmm. your listeners some context, uh, one of the three authors on this New York Times article uh, is famous for writing this book, Sapiens. That's yes. a sweeping history of humanity. Yeah. And the other two are actually most famous for the the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. So they yeah. really are in this camp of warning people about social media algorithms. And yeah. as exactly as you're saying, that's sort of this thing that we've been dealing with probably quite poorly. And now yeah. we're kind of moving on to the next societal risk, which is AI. So that is yeah. a really important question of what's different now. And I think that's one of the things the articles try to address, which is many of the problems that we already have with algorithms, data-driven algorithms, and even AI in, as it's used in social media is still happening now, but somehow things feel like they're spiraling out of control. Yeah. And I think, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of this just has to do with culturally what our touchstones for AI were going into this, you know? which are Skynet, you know, like, like mm -hmm. it's, it's that sort of thing. And you do see, I feel like the, um, the uncredited fourth author on this particular article is James Cameron, <laughs> because there's pieces <laughs> of it throughout this where like there's, um, it opens actually pretty provocatively. Imagine that you are boarding a, an airplane. Half the engineers who built it tell you there is a 10% chance the plane will crash, killing you and everyone else on it. Would you still board? In 2022, over 700 top academics and researchers behind the leading artificial intelligence companies were asked in a survey about future AI risk. Half of those surveyed stated there was a 10% or greater chance of human extinction from future AI systems. <laughs> Which yeah, I so feel let, like let's zoom in on yeah, that. Yeah, let's talk I mean, I about think, that. <laughs> let's because what I tried to do in my thread was go through all the claims and assertions and really pause and say, hold on. Mm -hmm. But that's a great one to start because there's a lot to dig in right there. Yeah. So first of all, there's a huge difference in that airplanes are based on science and physics and things that we understand pretty well. Yes. There's a lot to it. And there's been millions of flights. So you have a lot of data. You know how many planes crash and how many don't. Mm -hmm. Maybe one engine goes out. You can do the statistics and see, oh, you know, whatever percent of planes without that engine still land safely. The problem with AI is we're just guessing. Yeah. Right. There's no way to know 100 years from now or 10 years from now what it's going to do, what the real risks are. So we speculate. And that's not uncharted territory, right? When nuclear weapons were first introduced, sure. people yeah, had absolutely. to guess and speculate. But the danger, I think, is putting it in that same category as things like airplanes or climate yeah. change, I like to think about. Climate change, when you see these, you know, what's the IPCC, I forget the acronym, these reports, yeah. 
that's based on thousands of scientists digging into thousands of published papers and all this data, really modeling the environment. There's a lot of meat and substance to it. Mm -hmm. The problem with the AI is it's mostly people, I hate to say it, but like me or like you, just yeah. kind of guessing and thinking, yeah. maybe this will happen, maybe that'll happen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The reasonable thing to say if you're in the AR, which is like, yeah, I have concerns that AI could cause serious negative externalities for the yeah. human race. Perfectly reasonable statement. It is physically impossible to say there's a 10% chance. That exactly. Because it's, to... it's never done that before. You and can't look, know. <laughs> I'm a math professor and I'm the first yeah. to say numbers don't have some intrinsic meaning, right? If I just say yeah. something is has maybe a 15%, I'm just making it up. I'm pulling it out of my ass. Yeah, yeah that doesn't exactly. make it true. So no. it's, it's this, it's a general pet peeve I have of sort of giving a false sense of precision by using numbers that you don't really know where they came from or they're just made up. So yeah. that's one issue is these numbers are made up and asking a thousand people to make up numbers isn't necessarily any better than asking one or two, you know, then if the number's made up, it's made up. So I that's also, one issue. Yeah. I also do think, and I, I'm not the, I saw someone 
make a note, I think it was Ben Collins who writes for NBC on Twitter made a note that like, well, the fact that all of these statements about like how dangerous they are about human extinction are coming out of people in the AI industry has started to kind of feel like marketing. Like, That's right. Yeah, exactly. So There's think, a little bit of buzz marketing going on here. And I think you mentioned social media and the authors of this article mentioned social media and we have to look mm -hmm. to the past, right, to understand mm -hmm. the future. I think that's the only way to do it. So what was one of the biggest scandals in social media was Cambridge Analytica. Mm -hmm. And as you know, we probably remember this was this data privacy scandal where a bunch of data was collected from Facebook users that shouldn't have been, you know, people didn't realize that yeah. their data was being collected. They didn't approve it. And it was used for this election company or this uh, political company that was trying to profile people and influence campaigns towards Donald Trump, towards Brexit. So this was a huge scandal. And, you know, Facebook was fined $5 billion or something very justifiably. Mm -hmm. But I would say what it was in retrospect was a data privacy issue. People's yeah. personal data was leaked when it shouldn't have been. The problem was there was so much fear and fear mongering over it that people felt this data was used by these sort of algorithmic mind lasers to kind of know us yeah. in such great detail and get us, trick us into voting for Donald Trump and targeting us. And the, the jury's still kind of out, but most of the evidence looks like Cambridge Analytica it wasn't that effective. They just yeah. couldn't do it. And it turns it, out you can know a lot about a person, a lot about their data, and it's really hard to influence them, to change them. So what happened, I think, was there was a lot of alarm set spread, rightly so, about the tech companies. They have too much power, too much mm -hmm. data. They know too much about us, and this horrible thing happened. The problem was a lot of the alarmism then actually reinforced this aura of power, of godlike power that the tech companies have. Mm-hmm. People yeah. criticizing them actually gave them more potency than they deserved. And then suddenly Google and Facebook and all, they had the, it wasn't sudden, but it kind of built it up. They had this aura that our algorithms are so insanely powerful and we have to make sure they stay in the right hands and we can you know, do so much. And that's unfortunately what I see happening now a lot. And that is kind of the setting for critiquing this article. Yeah. I, absolutely agree that this stuff is risky AI. I absolutely agree that we could go down a dangerous path. But once we start leaving firm ground and speculating wildly and using the Terminator stuff that you described, yeah. even if you think you're criticizing the tech companies, you know what you're doing? Giving them the biggest compliment in the world, saying that yeah. you guys have created are godlike and you've created you've, these mighty machines. You've created a deity, which is yeah. very similar to the language this argue, article has at the end. And I, I think it's kind of worth, like, as you're bringing up, um, there are real threats. There are real threats that are immediately obvious. The threat that a lot of writers are going to lose their jobs because companies like BuzzFeed decide to replace them with, you know, ChatGPT or whatever. The fact that a lot of artists are going to lose out on work because their work's been hoovered up and it's being used to generate. Like, these are very real and very immediate concerns that we don't have to, they're not hypothetical. We don't have to theorize about the AI becoming intelligent for this to be a problem. These are things we, we have to immediately deal with. Um, because that's it, right. It puts people at risk. Um, it, it's the same thing with like, you know, there's a lot that gets talked about with Cambridge Analytica, with kind of like the different Russian disinformation efforts. But when it, I think about the stuff that was happening in the same period that worries me more, one of the things that occurred is because there was so much money to be made if you could get certain things to go viral on YouTube, 
companies that used tools that weren't wildly dissimilar from some of these, basically generated CGI videos based on kind of random terms that they knew were likely to trick the algorithm into trending. And God knows how many children were parked in front of these like very unhinged videos for hours at a time that like they would start watching some normal kid musical video or something. And then they're watching like the disembodied head of Krusty the Crown bounce around while like some sort of <laughs> nonsense song gets sung. And it's like, well, what is that actually going to do with kids? Like, we don't know. That's unsettling, though. <laughs> it is um, deeply unsettling. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing, you know, and, and I'm sure there will be Obviously, like one of the things that this article is not wrong about is that if we kind of leap forward into this technology uh, with the kind of abandon that we're used to giving the tech company, there will be unforeseen externalities that we can't predict right now that will be very concerning. I just don't that's think right. it's Skynet. Yeah. And that that's what was so challenging, not just with that article, mm-hmm. but with, I think, the movement we're having is I do f- agree very much in spirit. I agree with the recommendations. We need to slow mm-hmm. down. We need to be more judicious and cautious. We need to yeah. really consider these. But again, if we overhype the technology, mm-hmm. we may be doing ourselves a disservice by empowering the very entities that we're trying to take power from. Yeah. And as an and- example I like that, <laughs> can, I, can I read a quick quote from the article? Do for it. you. AI's new mastery of language means it can now hack and manipulate the operating system of civilization. By gaining That's... mastery of language, AI <laughs> is seizing the master key to civilization from bank vaults to holy sepulchers. That's right. And that, I mean, that is funny. And you're right to laugh. Yeah, yeah. But let's actually zoom in a second. And sure, I think yeah. this is such a tempting trap that AI is super intelligent in some mm-hmm. respects, right? Yeah. We can, it's done amazing at chess, amazing at Jeopardy, amazing at various things. Mm-hmm. ChatGPT is amazing at these conversations. Mm-hmm. So what happens is it's so tempting to think AI just equals super smart. Mm-hmm. And because it can do those things, and now look, it can converse, that it must be this super intelligent conversational entity. Yeah, And it's really good at you know taking text that's on the web that it's already looked at and kind of spinning it around and processing. It can come up with poems and weird forms. But that doesn't mean it is super intelligent in all respects. For instance, one of the main issues is to hack civilization, to manipulate us with language, it has to kind of know what impact its words have on us. And it doesn't really have that. It just has a little conversation in text box, and I can give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. So the only data that it's collecting for me when it talks to me, any of these chatbots, is did I like the response or not? That's pretty weak data to try to manipulate me. You know, it's so basic. That's not that different than when I watch YouTube videos. YouTube knows what videos I like and what I don't like. Would you say that YouTube has hacked civilization? No, it's addicted a lot of us, but it's not hacked us. Yeah, we people have hacked YouTube and that has done some damage to other people. Like, but it's the like the thing is, and that's that's part of why while I have many concerns about this technology, it's not that it's going to hack civilization because like we're really good at doing that to each other. Like there's always huge numbers of people hacking bits of the populace and manipulating each other. And there always have been. That's why we figured out how to paint. Like it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think that there's, um, there's an interesting conversation to be had about the part of why people are kind of willing to believe anything is possible with this stuff is that for folks who were just kind of 
living their lives with a normal amount of attention paid to the tech industry, it seems like these tools popped out of nowhere a couple of months ago, right? It feels like, oh, ju- there was just suddenly been this massive breakthrough. And the reality is that all of the stuff that people, you know, chat GPT, these different AIs that everybody is talking about, this is technology that people have been pouring resources into for years and years and years and years and years. And that's why it's able to do some of these amazing things that we've seen. But it's not, I don't think it means that in a month it's going to be a thousand times smarter. It's go, it's it's a process of labor, and it was finally ready to be unveiled to the extent that it has been, maybe. That's right. And a good example is uh, GPT-4, which recently came out. There was GPT-3 before and mm-hmm. ChatGPT, and there was so much speculation mm-hmm. that GPT-4 is going to be, again, this, this godlike thing yeah. that just, you know, that brings us to the singularity. And and honestly, it, it's done better at tests. You know, I forget the numbers, but maybe one of them got a 20% grade on some tests and this one got an 80%. So yeah. that is a significant improvement, right? If you're yeah. a teacher and your students improve that much, you should be happy. You're right. But as you said, is that a thousand times? No, even though the machine is much bigger, much more data. And it just shows that, yeah, like the reality is this is incremental progress. Mm-hmm. Going at a very fast rate, very unsettling, even for those of us following the field closely, mm-hmm. we're experiencing that kind of vertigo that you're saying that, whoa, where did this come from? So even within the field, and you're absolutely right, if you're just at home, you know, not paying attention for a week or a month or a year, suddenly this stuff pops up, it is disorienting. But one thing I think that's helped me at least kind of clarify what, not even answering what the risks are, but just understanding the different camps of why certain people are reacting differently and why even the people afraid of AI seem to be now fighting amongst each other and why it's getting fractured is, are you more afraid of this be AI used as a tool by people, or are you more afraid of it kind of taking on its own autonomy and kind of going rogue and doing its own things? Right. And I'm very much afraid of people using it. I think yes. big companies are going to use it, and there's going to be a lot of problems, just like we saw with social mm-hmm. media. People will yeah. get addicted Democracies will be flooded with misinformation. It'll be weaponized by various actors. There'll be bot accounts. So I am very concerned about it being used. Basically, it it performing the job it was told to do, but it'll be told to do dangerous jobs, either making money or making discord. There's another group of people that are more worried about the AI somehow deciding on its own to do things, to take over. And that's where, you know, I can't rule it out. But that's where I kind of am skeptical. Let's focus on how people are using it for now, for the foreseeable future. I don't think we need to worry yet, at least, about the AI somehow having a life of its own and stabbing us in the back and enslaving us. Because yeah. there's just so much that can go wrong before we even get to that point. Yeah, and it's it's not – that that's exactly like it's a threat triage kind of thing where like is it theoretically possible that one day human beings could create an artificial intelligence that is capable of having its own agency that is malicious? Yeah, sure, I guess. Like, I mean, maybe. (laughs) But man, we're there's a lot of us that are very malicious (laughs) right now that are actively trying to harm other people at scale. I'm concerned about how they will use AI to do that. I I think botnets are a really good example. One of the things that that these these new this newest generation of AI tools allows is more realistic and intelligent bots than I think have been accessible at scale before, and that's a very Mm -hmm. real concern. Um, I will say when I kind of Sorry, when I kind of wargame this back and forth with myself, one thing that is oddly comforting is like, well, the shared 
commons that we all inhabit of like ontological truth is already so shattered that like there's there's only so much damage i feel like adding additional bots and additional disinformation can really do um like well, i don't one one yeah. thought on that though because i i've been digging into that too or i've been you know trying to ponder how i feel about that because yeah. a lot of this i don't know you know i'm, I'm trying to make, yeah, make nobody it up does. as i go yeah, yeah. is i do think if you go back to like 2016 earlier versions of the internet you know before leading up to donald trump's election yeah i think there was a lot of wild west to google to social media to all yeah. these things right fake news was just like piling up to the top of of google search results that election was so monumental and such a seismic shockwave through tech that fake news and misinformation might have played a role mm -hmm. that they really had to do something. And I think yeah. some companies are more effective than others. I think Google put a lot of effort into making sure authoritative sources rise to the top. So what that means is when now you go online and you Google for medical information, the, the top results you get are WebMD or some official CDC or government thing. They're pretty decent, reliable. It's not to say there isn't all that crap on the internet, but Google's done a pretty good job of having the good stuff float to the top. And that's the information that people see. So what I'm worried is now we might be kind of resetting ourselves back to the 2016, where when you're talking to these chatbots that are trained on all the internet, yeah, I don't know if the WebMDs and the CDC type of information is necessarily going to float to the top. Maybe they'll work that out, but I'm also worried that um, OpenAI or Google or Microsoft or whatever, they'll have ones that are pretty reasonable and kind of you know, tuned to appeal to a lot of people, but Elon Musk might build his own competitor one yeah. that might be really tuned to elevate the right wing sites or the live in your site. car. You know, who knows? Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? 
I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I, I have been messing around, as I mean, and you have been doing so in a much more rigorous manner, I'm sure. But I, I've screwed around with a couple of different uh, AI chat and search engines. I use Find, P-H-I-N-D sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing around with Bing. And one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, if you ask it like, hey, summarize for me, like, why the Battle of Hastings mattered, you'll get a reasonably decent answer. Um, but if I ask it like, I don't know, specific questions about myself – I've come to, I, I noticed at first when I did it, I would get some really weirdly like colloquial vernacular from it explaining things. And I realized it was just pulling answers directly that fans had asked about me on the subreddit that uh, this show has. Oh, and so when I think about like ways in which to game the system, well, you make a bunch of bots, you have them post questions and answers that are, you know, supportive of this specific product line or whatever on a subreddit and hope that it gets picked, like scanned by an AI. And that becomes part of its like answer for, you know, what happens if, you know, I can't stop itching or whatever. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I like obviously you, you can see using them ways in which these can and will be gamed to some extent. You know, it's always kind of a red queen sort of situation where you have to disinformation, people fighting disinfo. You're, you're always running as fast as you can just to stay in place. That's right. And that is that brings up another issue, which I do feel like this is possibly really tipping the balance in that it takes a certain amount of resources to create misinformation yeah. It takes a certain amount of resources to debunk it, right? A journalist right. has to sit down. Snopes has to write a little piece about it. And the problem is with this AI, it's suddenly just dropping the price of creation down to essentially zero. Anyone can create essentially a limitless yeah. supply of quasi-information that may or may not be true. But the problem is, is the price of journalism, of debunking also going down? Maybe by 50%, right? Maybe yeah. it takes you half as much time to write an article it's not going to zero. No. So that's the balance is creating stuff has gotten a lot cheaper. Detecting, debunking, doing proper journalism has gotten a little bit cheaper. So I'm worried that that's journalists are already stretched yeah. thin. And this that, is that gonna is be that attention. By far my biggest concern, because it's it's not just this that's obviously a, a significant factor in it. There will be more disinformation. There will not be more journalists, in part because I think AI is going to take jobs from that's particularly right. low-level. It's not going to replace, you know, prize-winning columnists at the New York Times. And it's not going to replace like guys like me who have a very long and established, you know, career of doing the specific thing that we do. But I think back to when I got started as a as a journalist, as a writer, it was as a tech blogger, and I, I had an X number of articles that I had to get out per day. And obviously, like, my boss was essentially trusting that with that many articles, I'd have a few that did well on Google, and that brings in traffic, and that brought in money. And there's a degree to which you're just kind of doing SEO shit, but it's also, I conducted my first interviews for that job. I went to trade shows for the first time. I did my first on-the-ground journalism for that job. It taught me how to write quickly and in a polished nature, and I was not writing anything that was, like, crucial to the the, the development 
betterment of humankind, but it made me into the kind of person who was later able to write things that were read by people all over the world and that had an influence on people. And I worry about the brain drain, not just among journalists, but among writers and among uh, among artists, you know, people who do illustrations and stuff, eventually musicians, at least some kinds of musicians will probably also run up against this, where the stuff that it was easy for kind of people breaking in to get a little bit of work that would hone their skills and and allow them to, you know, live doing the thing that they're interested in is going to disappear and more and more of the stuff that we kind of casually low-level consume, not our high art, not our favorite movies, not our favorite books, but the stuff that we encounter when we stumble upon a web page or like in a commercial or whatever, will be increasingly made by AIs, and that AI will be pulling from an increasingly narrow set of things that humans made because less humans will get that entry-level work. And that is, there's something concerning there. That is something that worries me about the future of, of just creativity. Yeah, and I think I mean two points. One is just to kind of be devil's advocate a little bit because I do sympathize and I think you're right. <laughs> but a little bit devil's advocate is there it might be on the flip side of the coin that there's people that feel like they have artistic imagination and desires but lack the technical ability and suddenly they can paint so to speak by using these AI image generators. Maybe someone has some form of dyslexia or their English is a second language or even you know native speaker without any of these issues obstructions but just finds the writing process difficult and maybe ai enables them to be a writer to contribute so i could see you know there's there's going to be the the pros and the negatives and i don't know how the balance is but i think yeah. you're right thinking from a profession that's sort of like a passion project view <laughs> from a professional yeah. view i do see the profession narrowing if it journalists are expected to work twice as quickly because they're all using chatbots there's probably going to be half of half as yeah. many of them, right? Yep. I mean, that's that's the economics. But this it is, brings up a bigger issue, which is yeah. I do think what you're hitting on is there are these long-term risks that maybe AI is going to fuel this rebellion of robots and this, you know, maybe. But again, we have an economics, a social, political, economic world we live in. And I just think let's really focus on the issues we have now. That's not discounting the future. It's not like let's burn a bunch of carbon emitting fuels because who cares about climate change? That's our grandkids' problems. Yeah. This is different. It's like, let's think about the jobs, the world. I mean, another way to put this is if we mess up our economy and mess up our democracy by people losing jobs and mass protests and losing trust in the government, and there's just an erosion of truth. We're not going to be able to handle climate change or any of these big AI, you know, <laughs> the singularity type of risks. So what I feel like is let's focus on what keeps our economy and our sanity and our humanity. Let's keep this fabric of society together now so that we're more equipped in the future to handle all the, the risks, AI and otherwise. But this goes back to what you're saying, which is. These are real issues in the short term. And if we don't address them, if we get distracted by the long term, we're not going to be ready to address the long term. Yeah. Even if we think about it now, we'll be so distracted and so dismayed. Yeah. So I think we have to be practical here. I, I agree. And I, I am also, I think it's an, a valid point that you make about the fact that while these are tools that will reduce options for some people, they're also tools that create options that, and that can be used for the creation of art, of culture. Um, I do think some people I know have brought up Photoshop when I talk about my concerns with AI and are like, 
you know, there were a lot of, you know, people, draftsmen and whatnot, who were concerned when Photoshop hit because it, it was a threat to some of the things that they did for money. And Photoshop effectively has created whole forms of art that didn't exist or didn't exist in the same fashion before it, it did as a tool and tools like it. Um, and that's not a, I, I think, I, I think it's kind of worth, I, I don't like uh, I don't want to be kind of just on the edge of tragedy here. You know, this is a there's mm-hmm. a lot of different ways this could go, and they're not all bad. I think we're all used to calamity right now, so much so that we we potentially expect it in situations where it's not the inevitable outcome. Um, well, that I mean, that's I think one way to kind of boil a lot of that down is we can adapt. We just need time to do so. To yeah. many things. And what's really challenging and frustrating now is the pace is so fast. It's not just an illusion. It's not just, oh, if you don't pay yeah. attention to AI, it really is fast. It's very, very hard for us to adapt. Mm-hmm. So just thinking of the internet, we got a lot like individuals as users and tech companies got a lot better at dealing with clickbait, right? YouTube was tons of clickbait and they figured out ways to demote that to some extent. Mm -hmm. We got a lot better at keeping fake news out of the high search rankings in Google, like I mentioned. A lot of these problems that came up were not perfectly addressed, not even close, but there was significant progress and that's often understated. But if these problems are coming so fast and so intense, it's a lot to adapt to, and that's what's really the challenge is the pace. And I think we're we're seeing a very, very breakneck pace that's really hard. Now, does that mean you're on the side of uh, like Elon Musk and some of those folks who just signed that letter being like, maybe we should put a pause on uh, AI research? Because, you know, I'm not 100% uh, against it. Again, I, I kind of am like, man, I wish we'd been having this conversation when you know Facebook dropped or YouTube dropped, but... I, I don't think that's a realistic thing. I'll say that. But I do Let's, think, yeah. Yeah. So I would say, no, I'm not I'm not a, <laughs> a favor that, for one yeah. thing, I mean, in a very practical sense, you think all these companies that are putting billions of dollars into these investments in AI, AI are all going to sit around saying, you know what, let's just not do this cool for it. a few months. No, of course not. <laughs> um, so here's what I think. They're not going to slow down. What's going to happen is going to happen. Even if some players decide to be responsible and slow down, guess what? That means the only people plunging ahead are going to be the irresponsible ones. So what I think we need to do is I don't think we can really slow that down. So what about the flip side? I think we need to accelerate public education on artificial intelligence. I think we need to accelerate government legislation, regulation, international cooperation. I don't think we can solve this by slowing AI down. I do think we need to find a way to speed up our democratic processes. It's taken us how many years to pass basically nothing about social media in the US and some mixed results in Europe. Yeah, That's the problem, right? If we could work faster, then I think we could keep up. And I think that that's that's actually the long term like practical survival thing from this is that I hope we get is like, yeah, we've always needed to be more careful about the things that we expose billions of people to suddenly. Um, it should have happened before now, but I I hope that this I hope that all I hope the fact that AI because of James Cameron is coded into our brains to be something that triggers a little bit of panic in people. I hope that rather than reacting with panic, it leads to a more intelligent and considered state of affairs when potentially embracing technologies that are going to change life for huge numbers of people. That's right. And that is yeah. I think we have an opportunity here to 
experience that and explore that and try. And that that is kind of what I was aiming for in that thread is, again, I love that article that, you know, you mentioned in the beginning. But if we start going down this road of hype, there is a danger that we're going to fall into these traps. And I think let's stay grounded. Let's stay practical. Let's really identify the risks. Not that I'm some guru and know what they are, but it's almost easier to see what's not true (laughs) than what is true. Yeah. And that's, I think, let's all try to police each other and make sure we're focusing on practical things that really are manageable, that really are genuine risks that are impacting people, that are impacting people today, and especially ones that are impacting marginalized populations. Yes. So I think, let's hope we learn these lessons. And I am not optimistic, but I'm not as cynical. I think there's a lot of important discussions happening now that... Let's just say there's a lot more discussion now than we had with social media. And maybe yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, Noah, did you have anything you kind of wanted to plug before we roll out here? Um, no, I just, I think it's it's a great topic that everyone can be involved in. And I just, my <laughs> plug is just, don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. I am writing a book that's not going to come out for a couple of years that's trying to help at ed- empower people to kind of be part of these conversations, but that's far off. I just want to say broadly, don't be intimidated and don't fall for this narrative that sometimes happens in in tech communities that, oh, you know, I'm not a tech person. I don't have a chance to understand it. This stuff affects all of us and how it affects you matters and your opinion matters and your voice matters. And we're all part of social media. We're all very soon going to be part of AI and chatbots. So don't don't be afraid to join the conversation. You don't need any technical background because I think the subject is just as much sociological as technical. It's, yeah. it's about people. I think that's a great point to end on. Thank you so much, Noah. Really appreciate your time. And uh, everybody else, have a, have a nice day. I mean, you have a nice day too, also. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you too. It was lots of fun. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.